0: This is a podcast from Minute Media.
1: Welcome to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam.
0: Alright, welcome in to the Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam joining you. We've had some time off, but there wasn't an episode, it was Easter. And that's when Matt and Sterling usually record. So you guys, apologies for the uh, content desert that you just had to, to walk through, but we're back. Verterim, how you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, we were just talking about trying to get my condo sold, get that process wrapped up. Uh, not, not fun. Looking forward to... Uh, we've been going to open houses and it's like an 80 mile drive from where we're living to back to Chicago. So that's not great. Um and, and then you get there and then the place is way smaller than it looked in the pictures and so you're like crap like this is just not going to work and you know right away and, and now you have to drive 80 miles back not great
1: no it's not fun uh, that process sucks and uh, I'm glad that I'm done with it I bought a house two and a half years ago and I will never ever sell this house I'm good I'm done uh, like I was saying to you if I ever buy another house it'll be like a lake house or something like a vacation i yeah. i will never go through because we bought and sold at the same time and I, I i don't ever have to want to jump through those hoops again yeah
0: yeah we're doing the same thing not cool but you've got a great house i just uh, i just got to see it for the first time just a couple weeks ago you and i got our covid shots on the same day yeah uh, which is pretty impressive i don't think it was the same place because i was up in. No, you no. were in rockford i was at one town over um but uh I think we might have our our second shots on the same day too, or, or thereabouts. So that'll be that'll be interesting. Don't think I'll be coming over after that one though, because uh, hearing about some of the side effects, I think I might want to drive the 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 forty miles. Yeah, apparently it's not fun. Hunker down. Yeah, yeah. But maybe we'll luck out. My wife got the Johnson and Johnson shot uh, just a couple of days ago, and she got it at like ten thirty in the morning. She it was in a suburb of Milwaukee. She drove home. She's feeling fine. Then around dinner time, she's like, I'm starting to feel really tired. And I'm like, yeah, well, fatigue, like it might be starting, you know. She made dinner out on the grill. We ate. She's like, I feel like crap. We sat down. We're watching Ozark. Uh, good show. Just started the second season. Uh, and she was like, oh, I'm getting muscle aches. She took a couple of Advil. She felt like crap. By the time we were done watching Ozark, she was like, I'm starting to feel a little bit better. The Advil kicked in. That was it. She went to bed and... Uh, and uh, next day she was fine, no problem. So now she's not going to be as protected as me, that like Johnson and Johnson's trash from what I understand.
1: <laughs> hey, <laughs> take whatever you can get. Um, right, yeah. I, uh, yeah, mine's a, my second one's April 27th, which is two days before the NFL draft. So really hoping that I'm back in business by April 29th. But uh, yeah. speaking of the draft, we are now three weeks away as we record this. We're three weeks from the NFL draft. The Chiefs, of course, picked 31st. And uh, the mocks are flying fast and furious. So there's a lot to get to. Yeah,
0: they sure they sure are. We're gonna we're gonna dive into all that first. The Chiefs made a signing. This is a minor signing. Nothing to nothing to get all crazy about. But they signed a fullback from the free agents from the Saints, Michael Burton. He's going to replace Anthony Sherman. Who, if you if you haven't noticed this offseason, he retired. Uh, flew off in a helicopter. Made a video with great classic sausage style. Um, before we get into Burton, Verderam, look, Anthony Sherman played about 6% of the snaps for the Chiefs last year. You know, yep. A big special teams player. I want to say he played, played a lot of, of special team snaps. Forget the percentage, but. I mean, he played uh, about all of them. All yeah, the, pretty it, it, much. It, how. What are the Chiefs losing in, in Anthony
1: Sherman? A leader, um, a, a really well respected person in the locker room. I, I think that, you know, that and a core four special teams guy in Framley is not is or isn't familiar with that term just means all four, uh, you know, special teams, teams. So essentially to return and to, uh, and to, you know, block or, or, or uh, coverage. So listen, they're going to lose more off the special teams. Offensively speaking, they're not really losing anything of significance. You know, Sherman was a guy every once in a while they'd put in there and they'd run a, you know, fun play with like they did in Baltimore, um, you know, with the, with the smoke sausage touchdown. Right. But with Burton, He's going to come in. He's going to play all four special teams. I mean, that's what he's going to do. He's a guy who's been in the league six years. He's been on four teams. Um, the Chiefs will be his fourth team in four years. One from the Bears to the to well the Washington to New Orleans and now to Kansas City. He's only had 15 carries and 29 yards his whole career. 13 catches, 81 yards and a touchdown. So this is not a guy they're bringing to play offense. This is a guy who is going to be the occasional, um, you know, blocking back on offense. Maybe leak him out for a pass, literally like four or five times a year, and he's going to play a lot of special teams. So they lose a lot in Sherman in the sense that he's a guy who was really respected in the locker room. Someone who was was a guy who I think a lot of people felt was selfless. Um, but Burton, by all accounts, is a hell of a blocker, and he plays well in specials. And I think they're they're going to do a nice job in terms of replacing Sherman. I don't think I don't think there's going to be a massive fall off there because I don't know that he has to do. A whole heck of a lot other than just play well on special teams.
0: Yeah, he played, he was drafted by the Lions. Uh, I think he was uh, is a later round pick. Um, <clears throat> and he, he played for the Bears. Saints did two stints with the Saints and Washington. He played 19% of the snaps for, for the Saints. And again, Sherman only played 6%. So, I, you know, just because he played more snaps for the Saints, that's a different offense. I don't anticipate all of the sudden uh, Andy starts using a fullback. 10% no, more, right? People. Like, that's not going to happen. Um, but he, he's, he's got... He, he did line up... This is just... I thought this was interesting for the Saints. He lined up at tight end for them sometimes. He, they they also had him... This is not like an, an insane amount of snaps. We're talking like, you know, 20 or something. But he lined up at tight end. He lined up in the slot. And he would occasionally... Uh, even lined up at wide receiver, um, which we know Andy likes to do things like that. He'll have he'll tra- Travis Kelsey lines up wide. He likes to show one look, move into a different look, and that's just to get you know personnel and matchup advantages and things like that. So that doesn't necessarily mean that the Chiefs see Burton as a guy who like ah oh, we can have him in the slot, uh, you know, thirty percent of the time or anything like that. He's not going to put up numbers or, or those types of things, but. It does seem like he's got decent hands and he can be one of those guys See, the great thing about this position, even though it's it's basically going extinct, is that it's one of those positions that teams forget about because and that can give you a competitive advantage if you decide to use it in a certain situation, because simply the guy's not on the field a lot of the time when he is on the field, he's almost always blocking and then every once in a while you get into a situation, a critical situation where they just ignore him because they think he's going out the block or something or they stand back the block and then he leaks out and boom, you getting you can hit him for a 5-yard touchdown or you can hit him for for a big play uh, because nobody's nobody's guarding him. And I think that's the appeal for Andy with the fullback position is he likes to spread it out, but I think it gives him some just a, the ability to 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 dial up a few little tricks.
1: The one The one nice thing about the fullback position, and I remember this because it's one of the more memorable conversations I've had with a player at the Super Bowl a couple years ago when the Chiefs beat the 49ers. I interviewed Anthony Sherman at length, but I also interviewed Kyle Juszczyk. I wrote a piece um, that if you really want to look it up, probably just search Anthony Sherman, Matt Vertoram. I'm sure it would come right up. But I basically wrote about the dying breed of fullbacks, but how a lot of the most successful teams in the league have fullbacks and play fullbacks. And I asked Kyle Juszczyk, I said, you know, why does your position matter? Why is it that your position gives an offense any kind of an advantage over just putting out another receiver, putting out a tight end? And he gave an answer that is obvious, but I never thought about it. He said, when you line up a tight end on the line of scrimmage, let's say it's on the right side, because you're presenting a strong side for the defense to key on. When you line up a fullback in the backfield, whether it's in the eye formation or offset eye with the fullback a couple steps either way, he's like that fullback can go any direction. The defense, you're not giving away which direction you're running the ball, and I thought it was really interesting. I never, I, I it's something maybe somebody out there's listening to this and going, oh yeah, of course you're an idiot. Yeah, you know, but I never thought about it that way. But he's like, if I'm in the eye, they have no idea which way we're running. We can present a balanced look. I we can't do that with the tight end. He goes if the, if the T goes in motion. You know, the linebackers gonna follow suit or whatever, they're gonna shift the defense. He's like, as a as a fullback, I can go whichever the hell way I want. I you know, and he goes, I can I can really create some some balance and some issues for the defense. And I thought it was interesting. I thought it was a really interesting answer from one of the best fullbacks we've seen in the last 20, 25 years.
0: Yeah, and use check was, I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl. If you haven't gotten to see a great. lot of 49ers games, I mean, he he was dynamic, he was a problem, and when you have somebody like that and you have a bunch of other weapons on on the team which the, the 49ers' on offense didn't have a ton of weapons uh it could be super effective and so um they the Niners use it a little bit differently than the Chiefs but yeah it's a, it's an interesting position i hope it doesn't completely go extinct here i hope there's always room for a fullback on these teams um it's just uh I just think it's such an interesting, fun way to use your offense if you if you can uh, can work it out. So cool, interesting signing for the Chiefs um, fills the hole left by the departure of the sausage, and he he gave a great interview on KCchiefs.com. If you want to check that out, he talked to a couple of media members there. And, and talked about why he wanted to come to Kansas City. He wants to, he wants to have the chance to go and, and play for a Super Bowl every year. He likes the way that Andy Reid uses the fullback in the West Coast offense. He likes he likes the fact that Sherman was here for eight years. And so this is a guy, if he comes in and he plays well, he's balanced from team to team to team. And I don't know that that's necessarily because he's not a good player. It's just, I think, somewhat the nature of the position. Like, it's an expendable position for teams that don't use it very often. And for... For him playing with the Chiefs, it could be a different story, and he could get a few years out of his run in Kansas City, maybe win a ring. Uh, so I think that makes a, a no-brainer decision for him. But check out his check out his interview on uh, KCChiefs.com. Seems like a really upbeat guy. Seems like he's going to be a good locker room guy. I, I found him very affable. So um, all right, it's we're at the almost at the ten minute mark, so we're going to take our first break and get that out of the way. On the other side, we're going to talk about DeMarcus Robinson, who was on Good Morning Football this week and gave a really interesting uh, interview and and has big goals heading into the season. So we'll talk about that on the other side, and we'll do some mock draft reviews. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. All right, we are back. First break out of the way, Verderam. So DeMarcus Robinson came back to Kansas City on a one-year deal. There was, there was information out there that he had an offer or he could have signed with the Lions, who, as we know, was a mass exodus of wide receivers in Detroit, yep. and decided to come back to Kansas City. Now, you never know exactly how these things worked out, um, but I think Robinson thought he had an opportunity here in Kansas City to, to show out a little bit with the departure of Sammy Watkins. Everybody can see that McCole Hardman has not exactly earned the trust of the coaching staff to be an every down wide receiver. Robinson's got a shot. I know some Chiefs fans are down on Demarcus Robinson. He made some mistakes. Has had some drops and things like that. But I think we forget the dude's only 26 years old and he's been the third, fourth option, but has been reasonably productive. What's your, what's your, just before we get into his comments, what's your overall take on, on D Rob?
1: I think Demarcus Robinson has a lot of talent. I also think he's somebody that it's hard to rely on him a lot because there are times when he doesn't run the correct route. There are times when you feel like there's another gear there. And I'm not, I'm not saying like a gear, like he's not trying hard. I'm not, don't misconstrue that. I'm saying there's a gear, like I, you, he could get to another level. Like the talent is, I mean, he is a six, one kid. He, he can, he can get up and he's got good leaping ability. He's got good hands. He doesn't drop the ball. Like, the only game I can ever remember him dropping the ball is the same game that everybody dropped the football, which was the AFC Divisional game against Houston, where everybody in the first quarter of that game couldn't catch a cold, and, and, and then all of a sudden everybody caught everything and they they scored 51 points. Um, I think he's a professional receiver. On a team like the Chiefs, I think he's probably best suited as a fourth option, maybe a third um, which by the way, look, I know people are going to say, well, he's a number two receiver for us, right? Yeah. But they have Kelsey, like Kelsey. I know he's a tight end. It doesn't matter. Right. Like I always base it off of if Mahomes drops back, what progression would Robinson be? He would at best be the third guy. Right. I think he's a little stretched as the third guy. I think he probably should be the fourth. Now I'll be brief with this, but here's why I, I think sometimes people overreact a little bit to like, well, what? It, it, what, what, what number should he bring in? McCall Hardman, who everybody kills because it's like he's not good enough, he's not this, he's not that. McCole Hardman had 560 receiving yards last year and four touchdowns. Demarcus Robinson's never had 470 yards. Like, Hardman is right now the third guy. He is. Now, he's going to line up in the slot because that's, I think, where he's most effective. But he is. Like, Hardman, to me, is ahead of Robinson. Even if Robinson is going to play more snaps, if that makes sense. Like, Robinson's going to, at least his point anyway, he's played a lot more of the snaps for the Chiefs. Like, last year, for an example, okay, he played 65% of their offensive snaps. A year prior to that, he played 70%. If you go to McCall Hardman, each year, 45%. So, Hardman has only played... Forty-five percent compared to sixty-five and seventy percent, and yet last year, Demarcus Robinson had fifty-nine targets. Last year, McCole Hardman had sixty-two. Even though he played a lot, and that part of that is Robinson is a very good blocker, which in this offense does matter because they get so many yards after the catch and so many yards on these runs where they break one, you know, out of the seam. So I think that's part of it, but I think Robinson's a professional receiver. The Chiefs are paying him like one point three million or something like that. If you're the Chiefs and you're getting him for one point some odd million, you should be thrilled about that. He's he's not a guy who's going to break the, the mold, but I think is he is he there as a as a decent secondary option? Yeah, he is. And I think
0: if you take Demarcus Robinson's numbers and you add them to McCole Hardman's numbers, it's a pretty
1: damn good number two wide receiver. Yeah, it, look, I, it is here. Sammy Watkins was let go because Sammy Watkins can never stay healthy. Robinson stays healthy. You know how many games he's missed in his career? Zero. Okay. McCole Hardman? Zero. They haven't missed time. Watkins is a better player than both of those guys, but he's hurt a lot. So I think if you're the Chiefs, you're saying, look, we're going to add a receiver in the draft. Okay, because I'm I'm sure that's coming. My understanding with the Chiefs is they love this wide receiver class. I'd be shocked if they don't take a receiver at the top 100 pick. You add that you add that guy in, you have Hardman. And look, I, I will actually not to uh, take over this whole thing with McColl Hardman. I think McCall Hardman's a better people, player than people think he is. Like I'm not I'm not trying to take up for Hardman and say all of a sudden I think he's going to be an all pro next year. If you gave McColl Hardman, I don't know. 75% of the snaps. Okay, that's not double what he's had, but that's, you know, another, I don't know, what, uh, 100, maybe it's another 70% or so based off of what he's done already, 80%. I think he could be a guy who has 800 to 900 yards receiving. Like, I, I really do. And he's somebody who yards per catch has a massive, massive output. His first year in the league, he led the league in it at 20.7, last year, 13.7, which is still very good, by the way. Um, I think he's somebody who could do a lot more. So I don't think the need is as dire. I, now, look, Byron Pringle, people love him because he went to K-State. And, and Byron Pringle is a, is a good blocker. He's excellent on special teams. But to this point in his career, he's had 25 catches for 330 yards. Like I, I, And he's 28 years old. I don't share the, the enthusiasm for Byron Pringle that some do. I think Hardman has the most upside of anybody by a mile here. And then Robinson's a guy who, look, do I think in a, in a bigger role he could do a little bit more? Yes, but I would say I think of all the guys, I think Hardman is the one with the most upside. He just turned 23. Right like, To me, he's the guy that you look at and go, he's the one who could really expand his role and, and really do a lot uh, with, with more, more targets.
0: And Robinson was a fourth-round pick. And I think for a fourth round pick, he's you're given great. the Chiefs great production. And, and and look, at the age of twenty six, we know he's fast. Maybe he can continue to develop. You never know. Guys break out. You know, if they were raw coming out of college, which you 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 you're not exactly polished. If you're getting drafted in the fourth round, right for the NFL, like let's 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 talk about what he said on Good Morning Football. So D Rob said. Every other season, it's been four or five touchdowns, five hundred yards. That's he's given being a little generous with himself there, I was about but to say. <laughs> yeah. But, but um, fair enough. yeah. Okay. Robinson said of his previous production, I just think it picks up a little bit more right now. I'm looking for the opportunity, not for them to give me the opportunity, but to go in there and take the opportunity. Go in there and show that I'm the guy who can put up a thousand yards in a year. A thousand yards in a year and 10 touchdowns. I'm ready to make that happen. They said they've got something in store for me. I'm ready to show them. He continued I chose the Chiefs because of my family, the culture, just talking with everybody, seeing what would be the best fit for me. I had another team. It was Detroit that also was looking at me, and the Chiefs just wanted me more at the time. It was a big decision just seeing what I could do. Seeing what they saw in for me enroll next year, and without Sammy being there, they said it'll pick up a lot more, and they got a lot of things in store for me. I'm ready to go back to work and see what they're what they've got going for me. Look, there was a lot of no Sammy last year, Demarcus. I think that's the one thing that jumps out at me is is there were tons of opportunity last year, but. Uh, you know, I don't know. Do you think they really have something in store for him, or they just are kind of like, "Hey, man, look, there." Maybe the Chiefs are going to do it with eyes wide open and saying, "McCole, D. Rob, Pringle, like t- take the role, like take the number two role, and and make it yours." Is that is that what they mean when they say they got something in store?
1: Oh, I mean, look, I, I think they they like him as a player. They've brought him back now. This is his third contract with the Chiefs. I mean, they like him. Um. I look, my understanding with Robinson has always been that they feel like he has a lot of potential, that he's a solid player, but they, again, I think sometimes some of those mental errors on the field are things that they look at. So you, you just has to, it has to change. Now I do think to his credit, he's gotten better over the years with that stuff. Um, but you know, I'll give an example. Okay. So the game that they played, that they ended up winning on uh, Sunday night football last year in Vegas against the Raiders, right before the half. Mahomes throws the ball, he expects Robinson to break inside because that's the way that route's supposed to be run against that coverage. Robinson ended up sitting down. The ball gets thrown right at a Raider and it gets picked off. And Mahomes, in, one of a, in, in a rare display of, of annoyance, basically gestured to Robinson, like, what are you doing? You know you're supposed to slide inside. Like, why didn't you? And he ends up throwing a pick. Now, it didn't cost him. They won it at the end of the game, but it could have very well cost him. That not to be fair, again, that stuff does happen. Like Kelsey will tell you, he every once in a while have a rowdy miss runs, but with Robinson, it has happened over the course of his career. And I think if, the, if you're the Chiefs, you're like, look, that stuff's got to stop. Now, the flip side is with Hardman, I think a lot of times you watch him. There needs to be these adjustments that he makes in his head. Okay, I'm getting shaded this way. You watched the first drive of the Super Bowl last year. He should have had a touchdown. He ran right smack dab into a safety because he didn't adjust his route. If he widens the route, he's gone. There's nobody there, but he didn't do it. Now, now the difference is Robinson has been in the league five years, hardin has been the two, and he's been playing 45% of snaps. So I think the Chiefs are going into it, to use your term, with eyes wide open. I think they're going to look at it and say, look, we're going to add a receiver in the draft. We're going to put Pringle in there. We're going to put Harvin in there, Robinson in there, and whoever, whoever shows the best is going to win this job. And I, if you're the Chiefs, you have more invested in Hardman because he signed for two more years. He was a second-round pick. He's showing some stuff. But they're trying to win a Super Bowl. Like, if the rookie comes in and outplays them, then they're all going to just get in line. But Robinson does have a, a, an opportunity here. And, look, that's what you want to hear DeMarcus Robinson say. You don't want to hear him go, yeah, you know, I, I think I can post it. You know, I, I didn't get the 500 yards. You want him to come in and say, yeah, you're damn right I'm going to get 1,000 yards and win this job and – Hey, he is still only 26. There have been plenty of NFL receivers in their careers who they've gotten off starts like this and then posted 3,000-yard years in a row. We'll see if he can do it. I think the talent's there. I really do, but he's got to put it all together.
0: It is a huge opportunity for him. I mean, you're 26 years old. You're in this this really dynamic offense. You you, you want to hit the market next year and, and get paid. Right. You want to get that big money. And this is his, this is a shot to do that. So if there's been a, now, look, he's also he's basically been a free agent for a couple years. Right. And right. has come back to Kansas City and it hasn't worked out. But he does, at least right now, as we're sitting here talking before the draft, has a little bit of runway with Sammy Watkins out of the building. And I'm sure he knows. <laughs> that this is a great opportunity for him to get a big payday. He goes out there and does what he says he wants to do, and he puts up 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns, and that offense, someone's going to sign him. He's oh, going to get a big a deal. Yeah, He well, won't be coming you know back what? to Kansas City.
1: I'll, I'll give an example of a guy, and then this is a even more pronounced example, but of someone who had a lot of talent, and it took forever to kind of find it, and then he had a nice, really nice career, Eddie Kennison. Eddie Kennison had... Now, he, he had a little bit of a different path, but the point remained. Look, he had 924 yards his rookie year with the Rams, right? So you're like, well, already he's way better than the Marcus. But then he went 404, 234, 835, 549, 491. And then he got to Kansas City, and he was in the right offense, 906, 853, but 1,086, 1102 at as, as 31 and 32 years old. Now, again, I understand that that's a little bit of a – of a weird comparison in the sense that it's like, well, um, you know, Kennison had some success early, but he had a lot of years in the middle there where he really did not do anything. Um, And then, and, and, and the, again, the league is littered with guys like that guys who came in and they were, you know, now does that mean that he's going to do that? No, Doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that, but I think he is a guy who does he have the talent to all of a sudden give you a year where he has, you know, 800 yards? Yeah, I think he could do that. I, I don't think that's crazy. A 1,010 touchdowns might be a little bit of a stretch, but again, he wouldn't be the first guy who's had four or five years of like average production and then all of a sudden has two years where he's just, he gets a little more opportunity and he shoots up. But we'll see. I think you're going to see, you're going to see the, the Chiefs throw a lot at all these receivers. And kind of see how things go, you know. And I think that's the right approach.
0: It's a tough position, too. I, I feel like receivers don't get a. All these guys are incredibly athletic. They're all fast. They're all just yeah. amazing athletes, right? To be the guy, to be a guy like a like a Tyreek Hill, um, some of these other receivers in the league, like to be that guy, you really have to be good. It's there are a lot of guys who are fast, maybe not quite as fast as Tyreek Hill, but they're 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 very on his own team that are really fast and yeah. athletic. And to do all those little things to get that edge, to be the guy that they that these quarterbacks can go to, especially when there's a million receivers on the field, they're spreading everybody out. The goal isn't just to get the ball to one guy, the goal is to get the, get the ball to the open guy to create confusion on the defense, and so it's hard for some of these guys to stand out and I just think we need to remember that as fans that like, man, I, like you need to be really special to be the go-to receiver on a football team.
1: Yeah, you do and, and I'll actually real quick, I'll throw one other comparison. I think actually is a, is a much more not I shouldn't say a comparison, but just a, just a, a lesson in sometimes how it takes receivers a little while. Um, and, and why it can all of a sudden change, even maybe it will, maybe it won't, but it can. Ed McCaffrey is probably a better example than Eddie Kennison. So Eddie McCaffrey played three years for the Giants, 91 93 played with Phil Sims, never eclipsed 610 yards. 94 goes to the Niners, he wins the Super Bowl, had 131 yards, or he's buried on the depth chart. Then goes to Denver. 477, 553, 590, right? Like a little more than Robinson, but certainly right in that ballpark. And he's playing with Elway, right? He's playing with Elway, but he's buried behind Anthony Miller and Shannon Sharp. Then at 30 years old, 1053, 1018, and at 32, 1,317 yards, right? Then he gets hurt, misses all year, has 903 yards at 34 years old, plays one more year and retires. Um, But All that's to say, listen, is it possible for for D-Rob to have a big year? Yeah, it is. It certainly is. Is it possible he has 400 yards again? Yeah, absolutely. But is it possible that he steps into a bigger role and thrives? Sure.
0: I think we've got to really hope, and then we'll put a bow on this, that it's McCall Hardman who thrives.
1: I think right. you have, that has to be in my opinion. Yes.
0: He's, he's super explosive and the Chiefs spent high draft capital capital on him. Like he's a guy you want to to work out uh, right now up to this point in his career Demarcus Marcus Robinson's a, a replaceable guy to your point earlier, Nicole Hardman still has a lot of potential. There's still more room to grow there. Hopefully this is the year he really steps up and the chiefs become super dangerous at the wide receiver position, more dangerous than they have been. Um, we're going to go to our break in just a second, but this just came across my timeline, and it's a chance to talk about two of our favorite things, which is Reese's and football. The As you know, the Senior Bowl has been sponsored by Reese's now for a minute, and uh, they just released their Senior Bowl Hall of Fame class for 2021. We've got a Chiefs connection here. Uh, it's uh, wide receiver Reggie Wayne, no brainer there, defensive lineman Cam Jordan, offensive lineman Joe Staley, running back Fred Taylor, and... DB, Patrick Sertain, Dolphins Chiefs. Would, would you say we got the, the 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 best part of Patrick Sertain on Kansas City? No, we did not.
1: <laughs> but he, his, he wasn't – you know, listen, to be fair to him in Kansas City, he wasn't bad. Yeah. He was okay. But, no, I mean, obviously the best part of his career was in Miami. And now his son is going to be a top-10 pick uh, coming out of Alabama.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is fantastic. Who was the guy – there was – at the end of the Carl Peterson era, there were all those signings of like old, used up veterans who remember like everybody. Was, everybody like,
1: just drove off yeah. the road,
0: right? Like Whitlock was like, remember when Whitlock was like, if we just get Ty Law, we're gonna win the oh Super Bowl, God. right? Yes. And then who was the guy from the Steelers, the, the linebacker that they? Oh, Kendrell Bell
1: he sucked. Bell,
0: yeah, yeah. Everybody for years, if we could just get Kendrell Bell, get and you know, by the time they finally showed up in Kansas City, they were just that it was it's the it was the Mike Vrabel move. Um, <laughs> Mike Frable and the intangibles uh, couldn't couldn't rush the passer anymore. But he was a coach on the field. Verdaram went two and fourteen.
1: God, they sucked. They <laughs> they sucked, man. I yeah. mean, all those clowns you just mentioned. Let's never forget Dexter McLeon. Um, oh God! Brought him over from the Rams, paid him a yeah. fortune. He sucked. Like I yeah. just oh my God, they were they were. Just a way station for guys (laughs) who just wanted one more deal. And Carl Peterson, who was eternally opposed to rebuilding the team, was just like, you know what? Sounds great. What do you want? Three years, $30 Awesome. I'll say this. Herm Edwards, there's one thing that Herm Edwards doesn't get credit for and can't say that he should. And it's the only thing he should get credit for. It's the one thing. He finally got them to tear that team down. He was willing to just go really, really young, and tear that thing to pieces. Now he was an awful coach, and he absolutely deserved to get fired. But for years, for a decade, that team was totally fine with going nine and seven or eight and eight, and just hoping they get in the playoffs. Herm finally was like, "No, you know what? We're old and we're slow, and we've got to tear this whole thing to the ground." And they did it, and it was painful, but it ended up obviously, uh, you know, being the right decision. But I. I will forever associate that era of Chiefs football with Eddie Drummond, who was the slowest return man in the history of the NFL. Like I'm not a Jason Whitlock fan. I think mostly he's a he's a waste of space. But he would grade every player at the end of the year, and I remember he gave like he gave Drummond like a G because he's like an F's (laughs) not even enough. Like, and I remember thinking like I agree with Whitlock on this. He's right. Like he was the worst return man I've ever seen in my life. Eddie Drummond.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, didn't he fumble the ball a lot, too?
1: Oh, I, I don't like, even remember. All I remember was literally thinking to myself when he would run back kicks, I'm like, this guy looks like if, if a normal athlete shattered their leg and then tried to run on it and then shattered it again, that's what Eddie Drummond runs like. Yeah. Like, this is impossible that he's this slow. I mean, it was yeah. it was incredible. It was impossible that he was as bad as he was. But he was. He was.
0: I will say that tear down draft, that 2008 draft.
1: Not bad. Oh, no, it was one of the best drafts I've ever had. Yeah.
0: Glenn Dorsey, Brandon Albert in the first round, Brandon Flowers in the second, Jamal Charles in the third. Then they took Brad Cotton and John Morgan. Uh Will Franklin, then Brandon Carr in the 5th out of Grand Valley State, Barry Richardson who, you know, should have only ever in the been sixth a backup. Was a yeah. Effect. Yeah, agreed. And uh, n- nobody else was was particularly notable. No, Although,
1: Car Flowers, Charles, and Albert, and Glenn Dorsey. It's a pretty damn good draft.
0: Right. Yeah. Glenn Dorsey, not quite what you ended up wanting him to be, but uh, it's selection number five. But I'll tell you what. One of my favorite stories from that whole draft class. Remember Michael Merritt, the tight end, and they yeah. cut him. They cut him in the because <laughs> he got pulled over, and he was he was he was trying to eat the weed that he had on him. Um, and the cops, the famous quote from, from, from when the cops made him spit it out. And he said, all this for a little bit of weed. That was like, that was the comment. And I'll tell you what, this guy wasn't going to make the team anyway. But you look back on that now and it's like, what this guy got his, he didn't even get a chance because he had a little bit of weed. Like he actually like that. The quote was funny. And at the time, look, like, you had to know, like, you couldn't be doing that. You've got too big of an opportunity, but like, what a silly You know, what a silly thing that.
1: Times just changed.
0: Yeah, yeah, when you look back on it now. But all this for a little bit of weed, one of my favorites. And he said that, and then the next day they cut him. Um, That was it. God, they had a million picks in that draft. All right, let's get to our last break on the other side. Speaking of the draft, we got two mock drafts we're going to go over. One of them has a really interesting pick. We'll be right back. All right, we are back. Let's talk a little bit of mock draft. So our guy, Peter Schrager, everybody knows, huge Chiefs fan, Peter Schrager, big Mahomes supporter. Uh, he, did a, he did a mock draft for NFL.com, and Schraggs did not have the Chiefs taking a tackle. He had the Chiefs taking a wide receiver. Guy by the name of Terrace Marshall Junior, who I did not know this until this morning when I was doing my research for the podcast, is the nephew of Joe Delaney. He really is, interesting.
1: He is. And you know, if you read if you've read the damn website, we wrote about it on Fan Sided on look, Wednesday.
0: Look, y'all publish too much content. I can't keep up with I everything. Agree. You know, can I talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 man! It's almost it's almost time for the draft. Uh, you can rest in July. Going for a July.
1: long winter's nap yeah. after that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, how cool would it be, aside from the fact that Chiefs fans will probably go, you know, uh, off the off the deep end if the Chiefs don't take a tackle in the first round? How how cool would it be to have Joe Delaney's nephew on the Kansas City Chiefs?
1: Oh, I mean, from that standpoint, it'd be very cool. It'd be a great story. Right. Like, I think if, if, if you're just looking at it from that angle, it's amazing. Um, you know, Terrence Mitchell, and, and it, it is Terrence. Uh, we were talking about this before the podcast. For anyone out there who cares about, you know, pronouncing things correctly, uh, not Terrence, no end in there. But yeah, I think it's very interesting. Um, he's a guy who, who played three years at LSU, receiver, not overly big, at, you know, six, to three, 200 pound type guy. Um, you know, so average average size, but played with Joe Burrow, sophomore year, had 46 catches, 671 yards, 13 touchdowns. And then the last year, he only played in seven games. I mean, a lot of you know COVID stuff, but in only seven games had 731 yards and 10 touchdowns. So he's somebody now that a lot of people think back end of the first, early second. Um it will be interesting to see how this plays out. I'll say this. These kids that are receivers at LSU, they've worked out in recent years. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's been great. Um, Odell Beckham has been great. Jarvis Landry's been really, really good. I mean, our our old friend, Dwayne Bowe. uh, Now, I'm I'm kind of trolling with that because it was so long ago, but he had a a very nice career, (laughs) right? So, you go down the list with LSU receivers. A lot of them have been very, very good players in the pros. So, it, it is an interesting pick. I know... Peter Schrager is a guy who's plugged in with the Chiefs. I will say this as someone who also is is familiar with the Chiefs and the way they think. um, I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility they take a receiver. I do think it's far more likely that they take a tackle. Um, I know some Chief fans were out there clamoring, hey, Russell Coon's still available. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva is still available. My understanding is that. That those two guys are basically a break glass in case of emergency type thing for the Chiefs. Yeah, if the Chiefs are going to go veteran, I would expect it more to be Eric Fisher. I really would. I think that would be more the Chiefs check in with him in you know the late July, early August. Hey, Eric, how you feeling? Um, my belief and my understanding is they love the tackle class and they do love the receivers as well. But I think the, the need is obviously seen bigger um, at tackle. Now, if the board falls a certain way, receiver's absolutely in play there. I think corner is as well, although receiver and tackle take precedent. So ter- Terrence Mitchell is interesting. Um, he would fit the off.
0: Marshall. Terrence Marshall.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Marshall. Um, The draft breaks my brain. There's so many names to learn. Well, and, there, so and there.
0: There, it's your brain because of Terrence Mitchell.
1: Yes. Right? So your, you. your, yes. your
0: brain's tricking yourself.
1: Yes. But Marshall's a guy who does fit the offense, can get vertical, all those types of things. So I, I get it. Um, and it's an interesting pick by Schrager. I don't think it's outlandish at all. Um, and, and certainly it would be one with the Delaney connection. Yeah, there'd be a lot of coolness to it, for sure.
0: Here's what Schrager said. He said, LSU has been so loaded with talent the past few years that Marshall's name has almost gone under the radar in NFL draft circles. The six foot three, two 205-pounder scored 23 touchdowns in 19 games over the past two seasons. Uh, I read an interview about Terrace, uh, or, or that Terrace was, was interviewed, and I, he's, here's what he said uh, about what he brings to the table. He said, What separates me from everybody is the versatility on the field, versatility to be able to play inside and out, and to be able to produce the same amount of numbers and score the same amount of touchdowns. You're just going to be getting a great teammate overall. You're going to be, uh, You're going to be able to get to work hard, and work harder if not the hardest worker in the room one of the hardest workers in the receiver's room you're just going to get that dog someone who takes advantage of the opportunities you're given and don't take it for granted overall a great person, great leadership I'm going to make everyone around me better I mean that's what you want to hear if you're an evaluator if you like what you see on the film guy seems to have his head screwed on straight wants to be part of the team understands his role he's not going to be coming into the Chiefs Uh, and being the number one receiver or the number two receiver right away. So it's it's an interesting pick. I feel like, though, a guy like this, especially after taking CEH in the first round last year, I just feel like the only way Brett Veach does this is if he acquires a starting tackle through a trade and he still has his first round pick. It's the only it's the only way where I could see him being like, all right, I've got my line short up. I'm feeling good about things. I'm going to take, I'm going to take another wide receiver here because I think probably, as you said, if this is a deep wide receiver class, then he probably thinks he can get what he needs in another round.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's true. And I, and I feel that way from talking to, to sources in the league and some people close to Chiefs. I I feel that's accurate. Um, And look, Marshall had a great pro day excuse me, uh, last week at LSU. He did. He, he measured in uh, six two and eighths, 205 pounds, which is good. I think a lot of people were curious. To see if you come over the 200-pound benchmark, he does that. He ran a 4.38. Now, I will say this, and this is a point, actually, I really wanted to get to. Um, I talked to two high-ranking sources in the league last week for my stack-in-the-box column because we've seen all these numbers come out with these tackles where their arm lengths are measuring 32 and a, and a quarter, 32 and a half, 32 and five eighths. And I asked both of these, these sources who are decision makers and for their respective teams, um, what is your cutoff point for arm length for tackles? Obviously it matters. You got to be able to, you know, fend guys off coming around the edge and whatnot and be able to engage first. Both of them said typically 33 inches, which would, disqualify a lot of these kids in the first round right now. Tevin Jenkins is one of them. Leon Eikenberg's another one. Okay. So on and so forth. A lot of them. And some of these guys are measuring at 33 even, which is again, like the absolute drop dead bottom of the barrel that you would accept for a tackle. However, one, one of these sources gave me a really interesting insight into this. Said, Look, normally I'd really care about all those numbers because you, you would be looking at the same scout in indianapolis measuring all these players at the combine it would be a uniform okay this person comes in this person comes you know each prospect comes in and the same guy is measuring all these players this year because there's no combine because of covid you're not getting that so you have different people using different techniques to measure at every single one of these pro days so some guys might have arm lengths that are 32 at their pro day that if they were being measured in Indianapolis, their arm lengths would be 33 and a half and it would be a complete non-issue. So that's something that's really interesting that a lot of these GMs do not care. You know, that, you know, that, and, and not only GMs, but pro personnel evaluators, uh, you know, high ranking scouts, they don't care about these numbers nearly as much as they would. And that same source, to I me, mean, look, Look at all these guys who are linebackers who are running four 440s. Like, there's no way they're running four 440s. We know that's crap. Like, they're just they're getting good times because their pro days are always going to be favorable to them. They're always getting the, the quick, the quick, uh, you know, stopwatch. So that is something to keep in mind. And a lot of people, have, you know, in draft circles, you know, if, you, if you're on Twitter or whatnot, they're freaking out about all these short arms. I don't know that a lot of gems care this year. I really don't because I think a lot of these people feel like, look, it, it just doesn't matter. You know, if, if you're barely off on these measurements, and it's a half inch or an inch difference. That's a big difference in terms of a lot of this stuff. Same goes with the forty time, right? Like, if you're a, if you're a, a second off, uh, excuse me, or half, I should say half second off. If you're a half second off, that's a that's a big difference. That's a huge, enormous. Like, think about the difference between hell. If you're three tenths of a second off. That's the difference between the guy running a 4-3 and a 4-6. It's huge. That's the difference if you're a receiver between being a top 15 pick and being picked in the fourth round. So all that stuff has to be factored in. I do not think the numbers are going to matter nearly as much. And so I think if you're Kansas City, look, if you like a tackle that measured at 32 half inches arm-wise, I don't think you necessarily would care, right? Like, I don't know that you'd care as much as you would in a normal year. Um, and I use the Chiefs as the example because obviously, you know, what we're talking about but you know i talked to a lot of sources around the league with that stuff and they they all kind of cast doubt on these numbers
0: really fascinating stuff that's why you need to be reading stack in the box and reading com every week the 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 crew over there from the stuff that matt's putting out the stuff that matt lombardo's putting out uh, who's also on the stack in the box podcast stuff that mike Tenier is putting out uh, more people i'm sure i'm missing it's just it's fantastic stuff it's it's fantastic stuff. Tanier's column is hilarious, so you need to read that. Just
1: Mike Tanier is the funniest person. Like I, I get the Mike's a good friend, and I get to edit his stuff every week, and nobody makes me legitimately like laugh so hard I'm in tears. Mike Tanier wrote about two thousand words about why he hates mock drafts, and it is both accurate and it's hilarious. He just goes in his whole thing, and I encourage everybody go to fanside.com, go to the stack in the box section, and read this stuff. Uh, a it's insightful, and B it's it's in the case of Mike Tanier, very funny.
0: We gotta get Tanier on here, talk a little, uh, oh, God, talk, talk a little draft start. with us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So speaking of tackles and mock drafts, Ben Lindsay over at Pro Football Focus released a mock, and yep. this one was offensive tackle for the Chiefs, Sam Cosme out of Texas. He's 6'7", 300 pounds, so same height as Eric Fisher, a little lighter. I think Fisher's like three fifteen. Um but he can you know i'm sure I'm sure uh, Andy could take him out to a few places and put on an yeah. extra fifteen pounds That's if he right. needs to um so so here's what he said uh here's what Ben said in his mock he said i'm not going to jump off the trend of mocking offensive tackles to the chiefs in the first round it's a a case of clear need meeting value with how the draft is likely to shake out the depth of the, of, of this tackle class means that there will likely be a number of options for the chiefs to choose from at the back end of the first round and who could potentially start next season at left tackle. I opted for Cosme due to his experience, three seasons as a starting tackle at Texas, and strong play and pass protection through his career, pass blocking grades of 82 or higher in all three seasons. Cosme also put on an absolute show during his pro day with 90th percentile or higher testing numbers across the board. So that sounds great. To me, I mean, I, I don't watch Texas football. I haven't seen this guy play. I'm definitely not one of these draft heads who just sits down and watches all the film and stuff like that. Right. I'm just a fan like you guys. But that sounds excellent. That sounds like a guy who might end up getting taken before the Chiefs are, are able to get to him if there's a run on tackles.
1: So, my my feeling, you know, I shouldn't say, my, my understanding of this just from talking around the league, but also just like everybody else, kind of keeping tabs on, on these informed mock drafts. And I, let me say, so Traeger, I think, is an interesting one because Peter's plugged into the league. Like you see these mock drafts come out on some guys like, Word, like WordPress.net website. And, and I'm not, listen, hey, do your work. You know, if you're, if you're a woman or, or a guy who loves the sport and you love doing mock drafts, God bless. Do a million of them. But I think it's important if you're trying to really figure out how the draft's going to go read the ones that you know these people are are getting informed information. So like Peter Schrager's a guy. Daniel Jeremiah a guy. Uh, Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper. People always like to, to give Mel Kuyper crap. Mel Kuyper knows everybody in the NFL. Like it, those guys shape opinion for the rest of the mock draft community because everybody knows that they know what they're talking about. Those guys are plugged in all day, every day, right? So like I'll pull up. Daniel Jeremiah recently did a mock draft a couple days ago, uh, two days ago to be exact. It's the third one he's done, right? But it's the first one he's done in like I think since February. So he, the two guys who are going to be tackles, who are going to go way before the Chiefs pick: Penny Sewell out of out of Oregon and Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern. Now, which guy goes first, tough to say, but those guys to me are at worst going in the top. 12 to 13 picks. They're, just, they're going to go that high. Then you get past those two, and I think the number three tackle on most people's list is Christian Darashaw out of Virginia Tech. Now, now Jeremiah has him going 21st to the Colts in his mock, and there's also uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, Vera-Tucker, uh, for those who care. He's got him going 19th. A lot of people think he's going to kick inside the guard but he could play tackle. So, he, But it seems like those four guys are going to go for the Chiefs pick. It seems that is a pretty universal opinion. Those four guys, again, Vera T- Tucker probably kicking into guard, and then Slater and Sewell, top 10 to 12 picks. And Darius Shaw, he probably goes somewhere in the late teens, You know, maybe like Jeremiah has early 20s. Then you get into guys that might go to the Chiefs. Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. Okay, now he's a guy who measured under that 33 inch threshold for the record. He's a guy who you could see going there. Um, then you, you start looking at, okay, who are, who are some of the other guys? I think Jenkins, if he got to the Chiefs, would be a really interesting pick. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, again, another guy who measured under that 33 inches. Um, but but he's a guy who some people think, end of the first round, you know, right in the Chiefs wheelhouse there. Um, I'm trying to think of a few other names who would, who would make sense. There's, there's there's probably about seven or eight guys who are offensive line. Landon Dickinson could, could certainly go in that range, but he's a center. So tough, tough to see the Chiefs taking him. I mean, Blythe comes in as a, as a guy who probably gives them, you know, a year, maybe they resign him two years. Um, but if you start going down the list and just trying to give a couple more guys who could go for them, um, you know Wyatt Davis. He's another interior lineman out of Ohio State, uh, but you know he he could go in that range. As you mentioned, Cosme of Texas certainly could go in that range. Uh, I'll give you actually here. So this is a guy that I've actually talked to a, a few scouts about. Jackson Carmen, a tackle out of Clemson. He's probably more in that mid-second round range. But I've talked to a few people who really love him as a sleeper pick. Who think he's going to be a very, very good tackle. Obviously protected uh, Trevor Lawrence throughout his career. So he's a guy there as well. But there's, the point being, there's a lot of names in there um, who are going to go from 20 to 50. Uh, Alex Leatherwood's another guy out of Alabama. So there's a lot. There's a lot who could who could go, and I think the Chiefs are going to have their pick. They really are. It's just a matter of do they like that given player that's that's on the board for them at the time.
0: Yeah, and I thought that uh, the 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 PFF mock from from Lindsey was really interesting. And Cosme makes a lot of sense if you're think. I think he's putting himself in Brett Veach's shoes and saying like, I I'm going to be starting a rookie at left tackle potentially here. I want a guy who is solid who's going to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside who's got lots of starting experience. And the fact that he's graded out so well, you're you're not playing schlubs when you play for Texas, right? You're playing against good competition. And you've got a guy who's got three years starting. He's he's seasoned as far as college players go. This isn't a guy who came in and and played one or two years. So that's particularly interesting for the Chiefs. Maybe it's a safer pick. I don't know. Um, But that's okay with left tackle. You know, uh Eric Fisher's been a great left tackle for the Chiefs. Was he like all world? No. But like were you ever worried about Eric Fisher? Not very often. He didn't have to worry too much. And when you when you add core. in yeah. yeah, and when you add in a guy like Mahomes with, with his mobility, you know, if you've got like a Tom Brady type back there Okay, maybe Eric Fisher, an Eric Fisher type, is you know you, you maybe would like to try to upgrade. But when you had guys like Alex Smith and you had guys like Patrick Mahomes who are mobile, uh, Mahomes especially has just really fantastic pocket presence, but is able to keep his eyes downfield, move around like a magician. Solid's solid's pretty pretty good. <laughs> so um, that's what the Chiefs need. You just don't want Cam Irving back there again. No Cam Irving.
1: No Cam. No no Mike Remers on left tackle. No yeah. having a kick out, you know, uh, Wiley. Uh, the, the Chiefs – and I think the Chiefs have done a very good job to this point of adding a lot of depth to this offensive line. You now have Niang and Remmers. You have Long and, L- and LDT. You have Tooney. You have Allegretti as a backup. You have Blythe in there. Like, now they got to figure out left tackle. We all know this. This is no secret. But you – at the other four positions, they now not only have good starters, they have good backups. They are set now, in a way that they were not last year, and obviously it bit them in the ass. I would expect the Chiefs to draft the left tackle in the first round, unless there's a huge run on him early. And then I think the Chiefs are going to circle back anyway on Eric Fisher and see what the deal is with him come August. I think if you're the Chiefs, that makes all sense in the world. And then hey, listen, the one question here, not for left tackle, but what happens with Mitchell Schwartz? Like my understanding is, there's a very good chance yeah. he just walks away and retires. But you know when I wrote that piece on Joe Tooney where I talked to his agent um, you know, we, we had that conversation and his agent explained to me Mike McCartney explained to me that look Mitch loved his time in Kansas City he's going to live there after his career is over whether that's his career is over is, is now or it's in the future he, he built a house he built a house he's going to live there with his wife um, you know if he were to come back Kansas City would absolutely be an option he'd be open to so, what happens if July rolls around and Mitch Schwartz is like, guys, I feel great. I want to play again. Like, if you're the Chiefs, you're turning that down? Right. I, I don't think you could, right? Like, if you're the Chiefs and Mitchell Schwartz is like, I want to play for you. I'm healthy. You'd, be, you'd have some balls to be like, no, we're good. Yeah. We're good with Mike Rammers. I, I mean, yeah. I think you'd have to say, okay, you want to come back? Let's talk.
0: And, and, and you know, look, not to put myself in in Mitch's headspace. I'm not Mitch. I don't know what Mitch thinks. I don't know what Mitch's priorities are. But I can imagine you've had a great career. You won a Super Bowl. You're dealing with all this COVID stuff. You go into your next season trying to run it back. You are having this back problem. It must be inc- must have been incredibly frustrated. He's a competitor. He's a he was an Iron Man for most of his career, and. And, and then you have to get surgery and I can see after a long season and you're thinking about all the rehab that goes into that stuff, you're getting, you're getting a little older. It could be so easy to, to understand why somebody might be like, I don't know, man, you know, maybe this is it. Like, uh, you know, it's so much work, training camp, rehab, yeah. like maybe I just want to rehab to get back to the point where like, you know I can get around, I can, you know, play with my family and all that stuff, you know, like, and then you are doing the rehab and you get the surgery and it's, it's, june and you're feeling really good and and you and you're starting to think about you know you're starting to get a little bored and it's it, you know the season's getting closer and you start to get that itch again because you're, you're you're feeling good and and boy i live here i built a house here i'm in kansas city all i got to do is drive up the road to get to to get to things and andy's gonna go easy on me because i'm a veteran and andy's a players coach i'm not gonna have to be killing myself at training camp all of a sudden you know you miss the guys you miss the fellas like it is not crazy to think that, like, you know, maybe he wants an adventure. Maybe he's like, you know what? I'm going to go play somewhere else. I'm going to go to New Orleans or something, right? Like, go down there. But, like, if he's going to come back, probably would be Kansas City. You can see where it would all make sense.
1: Well, look, he loves playing there. He lives there. He's built a home there. I think it was yesterday he put on Twitter, he was, like, he was showing pictures of his golf simulator that they're they're putting into his house. Um if you're Mitchell Schwartz, I would imagine you'd want to play in Kansas City. I mean, I, and again, I don't, I don't know that. Obviously, you know, in full disclosure, I'm friends with with his brother Jeff, who did stack in the box with us for a long time. I talked to Jeff probably a couple times a week, um, but we don't, you know, we don't discuss that stuff because I, I don't feel like that's fair. Um, you know, and I, I wouldn't do that. So I don't know. All I know is from talking to Mitch's agent when I wrote the piece. You know, he loved his time in Kansas City. And he still lives there. And if, if he decides to play, which remains an open-ended question, that he would have interest in playing there again. Now, I'll tell you right now, I also know that about literally half the teams in the NFL have inquired to see if he's playing next year. It, it's not like he's going to be uh, without options next season. If he decides to play, there are going to be teams banging down his door. Hey, you want to come here? We'll give you a couple of years of a contract. Um, but do I think that Chiefs should have First crack, if they wanted it. Yeah, absolutely. I do. And I think if you're the Chiefs, like I get you love Lucas and the Yang and they do, but don't forget last year because he opted out of COVID, his contract did not count. So his first year on that contract, this four year rookie deal starts now. If you're the Chiefs, maybe you're like, yeah, we'll sit him for the first year of his contract. <laughs> what do we care? Right. Like you were going to sit him last year anyway for the first year of his contract. And then you just say, all right. Mike Remmers, you're going to be a utility backup lineman. We're still going to keep you on the roster. Hey, I, now look, maybe he just rehabs and gets to the point where he goes, you know what, guys, I'm good. I had a great career. Won a Super Bowl. I don't need to play anymore. I'm done. That's totally possible. But if he plays again, would I rule it out that the Chiefs would say, hey, you know what, let's bring him back. Hey, let's do that. Let's still draft the tackle, but let's bring him back. No, I could definitely see the Chiefs exploring that.
0: Could you see a situation where the Chiefs, like – draft a tackle in the first round, and then Mitch and Eric Fisher come back on team-friendly deals and they just have the, like a mega deep offensive line mix of young guys and veterans, getting LDT back, the long signing Tooney.
1: I think it's possible because, look, play it out this way. Okay, let's just, let's just say whatever. You draft whoever in the first round. It's a tackle. So now you've got, if you brought back Schwartz and Fisher, okay, there you're starting tackles. You have two rookies, because Nyang, by contract, is a rookie, as their backups. At that point, with Remmers, you either kick him inside or you cut them, right? But now you have you have those tackles. You have Long, LDT, and Tooney as your guards. You also have Andrew Wiley, who's back. You have Allegretti and Blythe. Now, that's 10. You're not going to carry 10, all right? right? So, if if you're not... if if you're thinking about how are you going to cut that down, I mean, Wiley would be the obvious guy who's probably an odd man out of guard. All right? And then it's, do you keep Long? Do you keep Remmers? you probably keep one of them. But if you're the Chiefs, you could cut either one of them. It's not going to hurt you. You know? So, yeah, I could definitely. If Kansas City had the option, if Kansas City could start its year with the offensive line of Blythe at center and then on either side of him, Fisher, Tooney, LDT Schwartz with Kyle Long, Lucas Nyang, and, and your first round pick as your backups. I, I'll tell you, you know who likes that? Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Big, <laughs> right. fan. Big, Big fan. Big fan. Big fan. Okay. Like, and you know Andy'd get weird. Like they'd run unbalanced lines and put three tackles out there. Like they would just do weird stuff because they can. Um I think if you're gonna cheat, like, why wouldn't you? They're gonna, I'll tell you right now, they're gonna have the cast face to do it. Like if the Chiefs wanted to do that, if those if Schwartz said, Yeah, look, I'm healthy, I'm ready to go, I want to come back, and Fisher said, Hey, you know what? I'm feeling really good. I don't think Fisher could play until midseason. I, I think that's probably realistic. But could I see a scenario where on Thanksgiving that offensive line rolls out there? Yeah, I could. Now do I think do I think it's like a likely scenario? No, I think Fisher's more likely than Schwartz just based off of conversations with people in the league that I've had, but If Schwartz decides to play, the Chiefs are all in to win now. They're not worried about like, geez, well, how's that going to affect Lucas Yang in twenty twenty five? They don't care. They they don't believe me. They don't care. So, anything's possible, and that certainly would be that would be one way to to fix the uh, to fix the offensive line. Here it comes.
0: (laughs) Sure would. Real quick before we go, did you see this story about uh, Juju Smith Schuster who was on? Michael Irvin's podcast and he was talking about how the Chiefs were recruiting him and he said that Andy Reid just kept sending him pictures of the Lombardi trophy. Just kept texting him <laughs> over and over again while he was making the decision. He said um, Andy Reid was just calling me and he was sending me Lombardi pictures like constantly. <laughs> he said we had a good talk so it would have been KC after the Steelers. Uh, sounds like the Chiefs really wanted him. They put on a full court press.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm mean, i not surprised. Like, he He definitely was a He was a guy they pursued. I talked to a a source on that, um, you know, on Juju's situation. and, And basically, look, you know, he decided to go back to Pittsburgh because he's comfortable there and he thinks it's going to be a good opportunity. But at the same point, yeah, the Chiefs did want him. My understanding is that Baltimore, Kansas City, and Pittsburgh basically offered him the same contract. I know it was out there, the Chiefs offered him more, but that was a lot of incentive based stuff. My understanding was the contracts essentially paid the same. And I think. For Smith-Schuster, he went back to where he loves playing and loves playing in Pittsburgh, and can't fault him. Um, but, yeah, the Chiefs definitely wanted him. I think if, if, if Brett Beach had had his druthers, like they would have walked out of this offseason with, with Joe Tooney, Trent Williams, and, and Juju Smith-Schuster. They didn't. But you know what? And I'm in the process of writing this. I'll tease this year before we go. So I'm writing a post right now or a feature on why the AFC missed a golden opportunity this offseason. And it's largely due to Kansas City had some vulnerable vulnerabilities throughout the last month or so as they tried to scramble to, to find some answers up front on both sides of the ball. And none of these teams really took advantage of it. Like the chief signings of Joe Tooney and Jerron Reed, tell me an AFC team that made the playoffs last year. That is a contending team, not the Jets, not Jacksonville. A contending team. Who made a pair of signings that you feel better about than those two signings? Just think about that. When you're driving home. You should... Which AFC contending team made two signings that are going to be more impactful than Joe Tooney and Jerron Reed? And the Chiefs really didn't lose a whole heck of a lot. Now, yeah, Schwartz, but Schwartz didn't play last year. The only guy they lost who really played a lot for them is Eric Fisher. And, and Eric Fisher is very much an open-ended question as to whether he might you might return. Rashad Breeland's the other guy, and he also might return. So, if you're the Chiefs, you don't lose a heck of a lot off this team. You added Tooney, you added Reed, and my main contention was, and I'm not going to spoil the whole piece. Go and read it, please. It'll be up, I believe, on Friday. Is look, there's a blueprint out on how to beat the Chiefs. You have to score a lot of points, and you've got to get a lot of pressure on Patrick Mahomes. And if you're the AFC, find me the team. That made moves toward those ends. And I did the work for you. I went through every single one of those teams. I went through every one of those moves. I went through all the averages of last year's pressure rates and sack rates. And I and I I distilled down through the 10 losses the Chiefs have had in Mahomes' career with him as a starter. This is how teams have beaten the Chiefs. And here's where the AFC contenders are at in terms of doing it. I think after you read the piece, and I went through all the research. With a clear mind, hey, maybe one of these teams has done it. I think you'll be very interested to see how it all kind of shakes out. Now that we're through free agency, intriguing stuff. Gonna have to check it out.
0: I will say on Juju, I would be surprised if he ends up a cheap at some point. He's only one year deal at Pittsburgh. After another year, I, I said this. I thought it was. I thought he was. He was uh, nuts to resign to catch to sign up for another season of catching helium balls from Ben Roethlisberger. Ben yeah. Roethlisberger, I, I, I just don't see a situation where Ben is better next year. Oh, he's chances are he's, he's going to be worse or the same. And you know, maybe after that, if then if they have a bad, if they have another down season of, of getting their butts whooped by the Browns and the Ravens, you know, and and, and it's a frustrating place to be. And he's looking around next year, wanting to try to win a Super Bowl. Could could uh could be texting Andy back this time. We'll have to see. Um. All right, everybody, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening. As always, uh, no reviews this week to read, so uh, we could use a re-up over there at Apple Podcasts. Head over there, leave us a written review, ask us some questions, ask us questions about the draft, ask us questions about Popsicle flavors, which I was thinking about talking about today, but we ran out of time. Whatever you want, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll read your, your comments on the show. Uh, so hook us up over there. We really appreciate all of your support. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at at rpatrickallen. I need to start tweeting more. Uh, There's not a lot of football to talk about. So Um, he's at at Matt Follow at Arrowhead Attic, And, of course, make sure you're checking out the Stacking the Box podcast, Matt's other NFL podcast, over at Fansided.com, and the column as well. For Matt Verderam, my name is Patrick Allen. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. And, as always, go Chiefs.